If you brought your Bible this evening, would you please turn to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. For some weeks now, we've been on a series we're calling Graces and Places. And our text has been here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He says, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, no, of course it's still of the body. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, of course it is. Now, why would he say this? Apparently, the, uh, the foot is saying, because I'm not a hand, there's not much to me. I'm not important. The hand's important. I'm just a foot. If the ear is saying, you know, if I was an eye, I'd be something. But I'm just an ear and don't amount to anything in the body. These are lies. I said, these are lies that the enemy is continually feeding people throughout the world, throughout the whole body of Christ. Is the foot an important part of the body? Should it feel inferior to the hand? No, there's no reason at all it should feel uh, or look on the hand with envy. Because no matter how amazing, what amazing things the hands can do, they're not going to do them unless the feet get them there. (laughs) And that is so true. There's so many uh, body parts that you see, and it's easy to look on them and go, man, look at the grace, look at the amazing thing. But how many know any body part you see that's able to do something? There's a whole lot of body parts behind the scene that had to do a whole lot of things before you ever saw that body part. And it's deception and it's foolishness and it's ignorance it's confusion to say well yeah but because I'm not that part I'm not important lies don't believe these lies he went on to say if the whole body were an eye where's the hearing what's the answer wouldn't be any if the whole were hearing where were the smelling well you wouldn't have any But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Read that with me out loud, verse 18. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Read it again. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as It has pleased him. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, uh, we're still in the process of being renewed to the truth of the word concerning ministry. When you hear the word ministry, there's this religious, very limited understanding of it. That's why we don't have ministry teams around here we have service teams did you hear me there's a reason why if you look up the word ministry to me that's one of the best ways of understanding the word in the original is to use that word service service and when you say ministry though for years 
people thought that a few people were called to the ministry. And everybody else just went to church sometimes, if they felt like it. (laughs) But the few that were called to the ministry were responsible to do all the work of the ministry. This is crazy. There's no way a handful of preachers are going to get the job done of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus. Hmm? No. The job of the ministers in Ephesians, it describes it, is the perfecting of the saints. So they can do the work of the ministry. So that the entire body of Christ can be developed and perfected. And when people say, you know, uh, I feel like maybe there's a call on my life. I don't even have to pray about it. There's a call on your life. There's a call on every believer's life. Well, I think maybe I have a ministry. You ain't got to pray about that. Every believer has a ministry, has a service to do for the rest of the body of Christ and reaching those who are not in the body. Every, somebody say every. every. Every person, every member, every part. And what... The church has done is leave the wrong idea that a handful of people are ministers and up until recently they had to fit in two or three molds. You either were a pastor or a traveling evangelist or a missionary. Pretty much it. If you're called, you fit in one of those places. You know, you had the triangle and you had the square and you had the hole. Which one are you? And a whole lot of people thought, I don't fit in either one of them. They go, well, you're messed up. Something's wrong with you. You're not called. I must not be called because I don't fit in any of them. (laughs) But if you read Romans, the 12th chapter, and you read this whole chapter, you see he refers to all the varied members in the body. And 1 Peter talks about this diversity of the manifold grace of God. Just like in the body, there's not three molds that every body part fits in. How many body parts are there? And all of them are graced to do a different job, and they all fit in a different place. That's the reality. That's the truth. Are you called? Absolutely. Do you have a ministry? Absolutely. What is it? It is an ability and a grace That gives you something to serve the body with. To serve the Lord with. To add to. To help. And don't take for granted any of it. And don't demean and despise any of it. Every job is important. If it affects the kingdom of God. Every job. Every part. Is important. So you have a place. He said every member. Every one of them. You have a place. In the body, and you have grace that equips you to fill and function in that place. Are you interested in finding your place and developing in your grace? That should be very high on your list of priorities in life. Shouldn't it? Look in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. It said, God is not 
the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. If you'll see the words, the author, are in italics, that means they were added and are not in the original. And really it just simply says, God is not of confusion. He's not in it. So when you see confusion, what do you know without having any other revelation? God's not in that. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, when He comes on you, He won't confuse you. When He reveals things to you, when He does things in your life, when you're seeing from Him and hearing from Him, it doesn't confuse you. Confusion is of the enemy. And according to James, it's connected with every evil work. So when you see confusion, you know that's not good. The Lord's not in that. That's a bad thing. We need to get out of confusion and get it out of us. We shouldn't have any of it in us. Should we? Say it out loud. God's not in confusion. Now let me go back to what we've already talked about. How many people in the body of Christ are confused about where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing? Most. You're much more going to find folk like that than you are people that go, oh yeah, I know where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Glory to God, I'm having a great time. (laughs) So happy I'm in my place doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That is not normally what you hear. What you normally hear is people go, you know, if you say, are you you in your place? Have you found your place? Are you developing in your grace? They go, oh, I'm praying about it. They've been having a series over at the church, and I've been listening to that. (laughs) Well, you know, really, (laughs) I'm not happy and satisfied at all. Would you pray for me? (laughs) This is not okay. I said this is not okay. I want us to look at the perfect example again tonight. Anybody know who that might be? The master. Jesus. Was he confused? Can you picture Jesus being confused? (laughs) Wringing his hands. Coming telling the disciples, boys, y'all got to pray. I just don't know. I have a clue where we should go next. Or I hope I'm doing the right thing. On this, y'all pray, boys. I'm serious. Can you picture Jesus saying, "Peter, John, come here, come here." Did uh, did that message sound all right to y'all? Because <laughs> I I don't know I. I I thought that was what I was supposed to do, but (laughs) I just touched something that just about every preacher you've ever talked to has done. Hmm? And I know why. I'm a preacher. I know why. The enemy regularly practices this. I don't care how much the Lord helped you. Just virtually every time you get through. And the enemy will come and go, man, (laughs) that was pitiful. 
just every time, you know, I've had him do that to me and just try to bother me. And yet you get some of the most amazing testimonies and people tell you how the Lord helped them. And, and yet the enemy tell you, you should have stayed home. <laughs> had somebody else speak. He's a liar. I said, he's a liar. How long is it going to take us to realize how he works? And that these lies are not from the Holy Spirit. If they're confusing you, it's not God. God's not in it. Well, if God's not in it, who is? Where is it coming from? What is this? Said out loud, confusion is not of God. God is not in confusion. So, should confusion be in you? What about Jesus? Come on, tell me, how, how did he operate? Was he confused? No, No, you know, he was not confused. He was clear. I said he was clear. He was clear about who he was, what he was, what he was supposed to do, where he came from, where he was going, what was coming next. He was clear. Somebody say clear. Clear. Say it again. clear. 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 Jesus was clear. Now, as soon as you say that, people will say, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Okay? The Son of God. And that implies that he was operating with an unfair advantage over you. And he was operating with omniscience and something you don't have. And so how could you dare compare the two? And it's not true. I want to say something, and you search it out with the scriptures. As Jesus walked the earth, he did not know everything. Are you listening to me? He did not walk in omniscience. He did not walk in omnipresence or omnipotence. You hear people preach and say, you know, well, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus walked on the water. Jesus did this. Why? Because he's God. And both of those statements are true. But they leave a wrong impression. They leave the impression that he did what he wanted to, what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, as God. That is untrue. I said, that is untrue. Why are you saying this, Brother Keith? Because if he did it as God, you and I can't do that. That's unattainable to us. And yet he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. Didn't he say that? And greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. If he did them as God, I can't believe that. Go to John 4. We need to camp on this a little bit more. About that Jesus didn't know everything. Because it has been taught that he did. But that's religious tradition. That's not the Bible. Philippians 2 and verse 6. Let's look at it in the Amplified. Philippians 2 and 6. It says, Jesus, although he was being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, he did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. What does that mean? Jesus was and is and always will be God. Jesus didn't begin in the manger at Bethlehem. 
He existed. The Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God in the beginning. And so as God, He was omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful. And I don't think we have any clue what it meant to lay that aside and become a man. That's what it means. He thought it not robbery, the King James says. I think every one of us would feel like we were being terribly robbed. (laughs) To leave, to lay that aside, knowing everything, being everywhere at once, having all power and ability in heaven, lay all that aside and come down here and get in a human body and make your entrance in a stinky manger. That would certainly seem like being robbed. Verse 7. What did he do? Read that out loud and amplify it. What did it say? He what? He stripped himself. Other translations say he emptied himself. The complete Jewish Bible says he emptied himself. He stripped himself of all those, of all those uh, abilities as God and he assumed the guise of a servant He became like men and was born a human being. The complete English says he became like one of us. He didn't just associate with our type. He became one of us. Did he cease being God? No. Was he really a man? Yes. How did he do it? He's God. I don't know exactly how he did it. But if he said he did it, I believe he did it. Now, if he really became a man, how many men do you know, male or female, that know everything? You don't. That can do anything they want to whenever they want to. You don't. That's everywhere present at once. None of them. If he really became a man, he had to lay that aside. If he retained any of that, that he didn't become like me. And he couldn't know. The Bible said that he was tempted in all points just like us. If he retained his omniscience, he couldn't know what it's like to be so ignorant. He couldn't know the temptation of fear to be confined in this body like we are. Surrounded by the curse like we are. If he retained his abilities as God, he does not know what it's like to be us. But the Bible said he does. And the reason he does is because he laid it aside. He laid it, he didn't think it was too much to ask. He didn't think it was robbery to lay aside what he had as being God. He laid it aside and became just like us. And yet, he didn't live in confusion. And he did that as a man. He walked in clarity. He walked in confidence. That should encourage us every time we hear it, shouldn't it? Why? Because if he did it, how did he do it? He did it as a man. Which means what? We can do it. That's available to us. 
We can live like he did. Is it true? Go to John 4. Let me just give you another scripture or two while we're talking on this. John 4. See a couple of things that we're still having to renew our mind to centuries of wrong teaching in the church. John 4, are you there? Verse 1. Read the verse word. When. Don't you notice that word? When what? When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard. Wait, wait, wait. When he knew? Did you get this? If you're omniscient, it's not when you know. You already knew. When he knew that, then it goes on to say that he said and did some things. Mark 11. You don't have to turn there. You know this quite well. Mark 11 and 13. Jesus saw a fig tree afar off having leaves. And he came if haply. He might find anything thereon. Now when's the last time you used that word haply? We're not talking about happily. What does haply mean? Put the NIV up there. It shows it. NIV. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. He didn't already know. Well, it's Jesus. He knew everything. Not operating as a man, he didn't. Tradition. I mean, you can feel it. When I even say that, can't you? People go, mm. <laughs> He's God. Manifest in the flesh. Absolutely. But he laid aside his abilities as God and became a man. Did he do it or not? The Bible said, you know, that he waxed great as a child. He grew and increased in knowledge and strength. Well, if you're omniscient, you can't grow in knowledge. This is a, an astounding thought. The Word manifested in the flesh had to learn the Word. He had to learn how to read. And he had to learn. There was a time when he read Isaiah for the very first time. Are y'all with me? Because he really did become a man. Go with me to uh, the, let's see. What is it? The second chapter of Luke. Yeah. Luke 2. And notice this though. Now just a thought here too. If Jesus became a man. Then certainly Mary was not divine. Are you listening to me? There are all kind of things that people say and do that's not in the Bible. And it's not right. Luke 2 and 49. Jesus at this juncture is 12 years old. And you remember when he stayed back and they thought he was with the caravan. and They had to go look for him for all that time. When they finally found him, they said, boy, what are you doing here? Read this. Jesus said to him, what? How is it that you were looking for me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business. Twelve years old. 
And he is crystal clear (laughs) on what he's supposed to be doing. Oh, come on. Are y'all with me this evening? Is there confusion here? He's not falling over himself, apologizing. Oh, I, you know, I wrestled with that. Should I go? Should I stay? Now, when you hear that, your mind will jump in and say, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. We just spent 10 minutes talking about that he's not doing this as God. It didn't take him 20 years to get spiritual enough to get clear. At 12 years old, he knows. Somebody say, he knows. knows. Say it again, he knows. If he knows, tell me the good news. You can know. Because he did it as a man. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this place tonight. He's talking to us. He's ministering to us. It's a lie that kids have got to go to school and go to college and change their major five times and sleep with half the people on campus and do crazy stupid stuff and they're 30 years old and still ain't got a clue what they should be doing or who they're supposed to be. This is the devil. This is confusion. Are you listening to me, friends? And we're talking about half the population in church. It's not right. Jesus was clear. Said out loud, he's clear. He was clear. Let's read some more of that. Can you take some more of this? He was clear. Go to the fourth chapter. He said, I must be about my father's business. That's what I got to be doing. How did he know that? How was he so clear? Luke 4, 42. Listen to this. When it was day, Jesus departed. He left. He went into a desert place and the people sought him and they came to him and they stayed him that he should not depart from. They said, no, you got to stay here. And what did Jesus say? I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities. Did it take him three days to pray and say, well, should I stay? These people really want me to stay. You know, we're having some good meetings. Should I stay or should I go or? Should I stay another day or two? Or No, he knew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I got to go. Oh, come on, Jesus. Please, 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 please. Should we be swayed by everybody and their brother's request? And everybody and their sister's idea of what we ought to do, what we ought not to do, where we ought to go. Or, you know, I've had people sometimes get a little testy with me. You know, why won't you do what I want you to do? And I said, well, I don't do what I want to do. Why in the world would I do what you want me to do? And I'm serious as I can be. We should train ourselves. Our little ones should be training themselves. We should be training them. And they're training themselves from a young age. To not be moved by needs. Our circumstances. Our opportunities. Our feelings. Come on. Are you listening to me friends? Or any external circumstance or thing. But learning how to wait on the Lord. And be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Who is the spirit of knowing. Not thinking. Knowing. Knowing. Not reasoning. Not rationalization. Knowing. Somebody say knowing. 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 When you know. You're not confused. Jesus said, no, I can't stay. I must go. 
to these other cities. Because that's why I'm sent. That's why I'm here. Did he know who he was? Did he know? Uh, and you might think, well, yeah, he's Jesus. He, he's the Son of God. He knew. No. Did you know Jesus found himself in the Word? Particularly in Isaiah. Didn't he? He found himself in the Word. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me. There was a time Jesus read that and it jumped off the page. He said, that's me. He knew it. That's me. John the Baptist, same thing. He found himself there. Didn't he? Voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make sure he found himself. Wonder if you could find yourself in the Bible. (laughs) You can. Your place is in there. Your grace is in there. You might read a whole different kind of ministries and people and, and you appreciate it and, and it's great. But you read this one thing and oh man, it jumps up to you. That's why there are people in here and there are stories in here that minister to you like no other. That's why they're your favorites. Because you're finding who you are. Your call is like theirs. Hey! That was worth you coming out on a cold night right there, wasn't it? <laughs> Said out loud, I can find myself in the Word. I see that in my own life, even from a teenager. There were stories and, and individuals in the, in the Word that, you know, I appreciate all of them, but boy, that one, I just, I'd, I'd read that one again and again, and that just appealed to me. The further I go, I see that that's my call. That's why it appeals to me like that. I'm called the same direction. Similar graces. And every member is covered in here. Of course, there are people that were anointed to teach and preach. People anointed to minister to the sick. People anointed to prophesy. There were people that were anointed to work with their hands in wood and metal. Is that right? Anointed by the Spirit of God. So there's some people they read all that and they're, they're thankful for Isaiah and Jeremiah and they get excited and think, well, that's great. But oh man, they read about uh, uh, a whole, is it a holy ab in Bezalel? Yeah. They read about a holy ab. And most everybody else don't even know who that is. And they know everything about a holy ab in Bezalel because it jumped off the page to them. Minister to them. They thought, well, man, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy working with my hands. And ideas just come to me. And I'm good with my hands. Why? They're anointed to do that. They ought not be trying to preach. They ought to be doing what they're called to do. They ought to develop in that to the ultimate place. And if they do, it'll, you'll know it. You'll see it. You'll hear it. Great things will come out of it. Jesus was not confused. He said, I need to do this. I've got to do this. He knew it. Luke 19. You're there close by. He didn't just plan his itinerary this way. He did everything, even to where he ate that day. Luke 19 and 5. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree. You remember that? Because he wanted to see Jesus. And when Jesus came by, he looked up and he saw him. He said, Zacchaeus. What you doing up there, boy? What are, what are you doing the rest of the day? Well, I was thinking about going over here. 
But then it crossed my mind maybe to come see you. But you know, so-and-so has invited us over to their house. And boy, she makes a mean meatloaf too. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm not real sure which one to go to. What do you think? Now, this is how most people operate. And they make excuses for it because I'm not Jesus. But that's an erroneous way of thinking. Error. Isn't it? What did he say? Tell me what he said. He said, Zacchaeus, you hurry up and get down out of that tree. Because today I must stay at your house. How did he know? How did he know? Why was he so sure? How was he so clear? John 9, don't turn to these, but you see them over and over again. John 9 and 4. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. When he was praying in John 12, his soul was troubled. And he said, what am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? But no, for this cause, this is why I came to this hour. He knew, didn't he? Even in times of duress and pressure, even when his flesh was pulling him another way, he felt it, but he'd immediately come back and say, yeah, but I know. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know where I'm going. Didn't he say it? Does this sound good to you, this knowing, this being sure? One of the most tormenting things on the planet and in life is not knowing, isn't it? It's just one of the worst things in life, is not knowing. (laughs) I won't say that quite yet. He said, "I, I must do this. I must do that. He was sure. He was clear. Somebody say clear. clear. The Bible said in John knew more than once. He knew his hour was not yet come. He knew they couldn't take him. Then eventually it said he knew that his hour was come. John 13. Let's look at one more. That word knew and know and knowing is used repeatedly concerning what he did and where he went and how he operated. Not I wonder if. I hope so. He knew. Somebody say he knew. John 13, 1. 13, 1. Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus what? He what? He knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3. Jesus what? Jesus what? Knowing the Father had given all things to his hand and that he was come from God and he was going to God. How many like the sound of this? He knew what was going on. He knew what was in his power. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going to. Glory to God. Does this stir your soul? Does this stir your spirit? Somebody say he knew. He knew. Do you have to live the rest of your life in a fog of I wonder, I hope so, I don't think so, could you pray, is there any way of knowing? No, No, you don't have to live like that. Jesus is your example. He showed us how to do it. Didn't he show us how to do it? He knew. He wasn't confused. He was clear. Somebody say clear. 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 Say it again, clear. Clear. Hallelujah. 
Go to uh, 1 John, the second chapter. We've referred to this verse already. If you're not familiar with it, mark it in your Bible. Let it get in you. And talk this verse instead of all the unbelief that people talk. 1 John 2 and 20. 1 John 2.20. What does it say? You're just a man. And will be filled. With inner wrestlings. (laughs) Huh? You're just a woman. You're just a human being. And there's so much you don't know. And you're going to have days when you struggle to even know if you're saved or not. Or if God is really real. But persevere. (laughs) And just be comforted, at least maybe a little, by the fact that everybody else is confused too. (laughs) And we're just all doing the best we can. You are a human, and you have a brain, and you live in this crazy mixed up world. No, no, tell me what this says. What does this say? What does this say? You have a what? A question? (laughs) You have an unction. Now, the word unction is the word for anointing. Anointing. You have, not you need to try to see if you can get, you have. Have an unction yes, sir. from the Holy One. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And by this unction, by this anointing, come on, read that next verse. You what? No. You know. Yes. Oh. Sit out loud. I have an unction. An anointing of the Holy One in me. And by this anointing, I know. By this anointing, I know. By this anointing, I know all things. I know all things. Does that mean you become omniscient like God? No, no. It means you know all things like Jesus knew all things as he walked the earth. Did he walk in omniscience on the earth? No, he did not. But you see it in numerous places. He knew what they were thinking. He knew this. He knew that. How did he know? That's why people assume, well, he's operating as God. No, no, he's not. He's operating as a man. By the holy anointing, the Spirit of God came on him in a bodily shape and form as a dove. And after that, he came out after the temptation in the power of the Spirit. And he knew things. He didn't figure it out. He didn't reason it out. He didn't deduce it. He just knew it. (laughs) He just knew it. He just knew it. He looked at that woman at the well. And he just knew. About all her husbands and all her stuff. He just knew it. He didn't figure it out. He didn't pick up vibrations from her head. 
He didn't read her palm. (laughs) Huh? He didn't deduce it from astral arrangements or Bible code. Come on, tell me, tell me, what? He just knew it. He just knew it. You know, uh, my father in the faith, and also great influence, most of y'all, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's going home to be with the Lord, sometimes he'd get to preaching, and he'd just start quoting Scripture. And he'd quote a whole chapter at a time, and more. And he'd probably quote two-thirds of the New Testament when he was preaching. And people say, how'd you memorize all that? He'd tell you quick, I didn't. I don't. That's the most amazing thing. How'd you, how'd you memorize? He said, I didn't. It just come to him. It just come up out of him. He'd just know it. Friends, we are yet to realize the potential of the human spirit. And to realize the power of the Holy Spirit in the human spirit. People try to make everything mental. This is not mental. This is straight out of your spirit. Boom. You just know it. You didn't figure it out. (laughs) You can't tell somebody how you know it. How do you know that? I've had people tell me that several times. How do you know that? I I didn't. It just, I mean, I I do now, but... It's exactly the way Jesus knew things. It's the same Spirit that was on Jesus. Exactly the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus and in Jesus is on you. And in you the very same Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe? Very same Holy Spirit. Well, if He could cause Jesus to know things, He can cause you to know things. He can cause you to know. Go there. Do this. See them. Don't talk to them. Talk to them. Don't buy that. Get this. Why would you decide that? A lot of times you can't tell people. Why? You just. I just knew don't do that. We are to live. And function. By the unction. Our going is supposed to be by the knowing. Isn't it? (laughs) how was Jesus so clear why was he so clear there are numerous reasons I'm sure there's three things I see clearly three C's if you will by contrast if Jesus was so clear why are so many so confused And you'll see it in these things. Jesus was so clear because there was no condemnation in him. None. So he was crystal clear. Condemnation clouds you. Allows confusion to come in. Jesus was so clear Because there was no cowardice or fear in him. 
No fear. Fear opens the door to confusion. And Jesus was so clear because there was no contrariness in him. There was no rebellion in him. None. Now if we just stop right there, do you know some reasons why a lot of people are confused? <laughs> hmm? Are you still in 1 John or not? 1 John. Look at the third chapter, please. 3 and 20. Let's touch on these. Have you got time for me to touch on these, each one just a little bit? Why was Jesus so clear? Help me out. How much condemnation? Zero condemnation, so he had zero confusion. What else? No fear. No cowardice. No no fear. Zero fear. So he had zero confusion and total clarity. What else? No rebellion. No contrariness. Uh, another way of saying, another word for this is unwillingness. Unwillingness. Can you see already without me going further that these three things would cause you to be confused? It'll open the door. Let your mind be clouded. Let your soul be troubled. Number one, you see in this verse right here, 1 John 3 and 20. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, verse 21, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever, verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Is that how Jesus operated? Did he tell us we could operate this way? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. Is that confidence? Right, is He telling us right here though, right in the back of the New Testament, something that would destroy your confidence? We have, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence toward God. What if your heart does condemn you? You're not going to have confidence. If you don't have confidence, isn't the door open for confusion? Did Jesus operate in confidence? Did He know? Was He sure? Was He clear? Did he move? I mean, anytime you try to think about what Jesus is saying and doing, you never see him any other way than confident. Do you? You can't imagine Jesus any other way than confident. Why was he so confident? Because he's so clear. Why is he so clear? You know, this is why and how a person is bold, too. You see, some people try to put on boldness, and it's not nice. (laughs) It's just them being pushy and arrogant. You know, Paul said, pray for me for boldness, didn't he? That I'd speak the word boldly like I ought to. Now, some people might write back and say, oh, Paul, just be bold, brother. Be bold. No, he must have known something they didn't know. What? The key to being bold is being sure. You step out and do something and say something without hesitation, without reluctance, you must be pretty sure. 
Either you're putting on. Putting on pretending won't, won't, won't get the job done. They won't get any needs met. He said, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is one of the big deals, one of the big reasons why the enemy is always tempting us to sin. It's not just so he can say, oh, goody, goody, got you to sin. See there, see there, got you, got you, got you. Uh Uh-uh. He really doesn't care about you at all. You, to him, you are an insignificant piece of flesh moving around on the planet. He, He really could care less about you. He is concerned about your faith because your faith is the activator to the anointing of God. It's like a fuse to a stick of dynamite. He is very much concerned about the anointing. Because tell me what the anointing does. It destroys yokes and removes. Well, you know what business he's in? He happens to be in the yoke business. And burden business. And the, it, it can take him 20 years to get a big yoke in somebody's life. And the anointing can evaporate it in a millisecond. Years of hard work. Gone. <laughs> Now, you can't do that. Your head can't do that. Your education can't do that. Your beauty can't do that. But the anointing of God through you can do it. But that anointing is inert without faith. He knows that. That's why he's after your faith. Remember Jesus said about Peter? Satan has desired to have you. Why? I've prayed for you. Why? 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 That your faith fail not. So what was the enemy after? After his faith. We don't have to ask why. He said, I prayed for you. And when? Not if. When you get over it. Strengthen your brother. We know why. The devil doesn't know everything. He's certainly not omniscient, but he's been around a long time. And he sees things in the Spirit. He can see some things coming. He's seen a lot of things before, so he knows what they look like. And he could see what was happening in these boys when they're walking with Jesus. And after he was totally destroyed spiritually through what Jesus did, he saw the potential of every one of them doing what Jesus was doing. (laughs) He's very concerned. (laughs) He's got to get... The confidence out of these boys. Lest they mix that faith with some anointing. And blow his work plum out of the county. (laughs) So you know what he does? He tempts him. Tempts him. Why? Because if he could keep you. Like Peter. Crying over there in the corner. How many know if Peter couldn't have got out of that state. Remember when he, he looked at Jesus. And Jesus looked at him. And he's denying the Lord. And he went over there and wept. Violently. How many understand? If he could not have gotten out of that state, he never would have stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost like he did, would he? You'd have never seen any of that if he couldn't have got free from that condemnation. Which gets us to some more excellent news. 
You might say, well, how can I live free from condemnation? Jesus never sinned. You already know the answer to that. It's by the blood of Jesus. Even though you have sinned and missed it, if you will truly repent, He is faithful and just to forgive you. And not only that, to do what else? And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then there is therefore now no condemnation, no matter what you've done, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Which means you got no condemnation, you got full confidence, you got no confusion, you're clear, you're bold. But now... If you won't repent, you know better. And but you won't repent. You know you shouldn't be doing it, but you're going to keep on doing it. You know he told you to do it, but you, you refuse to do it. You will not be able to get out of the condemnation. You'll stay in it. As a result, your confidence will be destroyed. You won't have it. And as a result... You will not be clear. You will live and operate in confusion. This is why many are in confusion. Because they, they won't repent. It's too high of a price to pay, isn't it, friend? Entirely too high of a price to pay. If we're going to live confusion free, if we're going to live clear, we must get rid of the condemnation. How do you get rid of the condemnation? You repent. Repent means change. And you live clear. You live free without your heart bothering you. If you need to do something, you do it. If you need to change it, you change it. And if you have repented, you let you receive your forgiveness. If God says you're forgiven, you believe it. You receive it. And let the condemnation go. And you get clear. Somebody say clear. No more confusion. Secondly, why was Jesus so clear? Just what we're talking about right now. No fear. No fear. You're there in 1 John. 1 John 4. And 18. What does it say? 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear. In love. Well, God is love. There's no fear in God. Could that be another reason why there's no confusion in Him? (laughs) Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Don't turn to these for time's sake. What's the cure for fear? Love and faith. Jesus told his disciples, you know, uh, why are you so full of fear? How is it that you have no faith? What do you do? Quit fearing and get in faith. What will help your faith as much as anything? Knowing how much God loves you. What if this happens? What if that happens? Or what if you don't make it? No, no. By the grace of God, I'm going to make it. Why? Not because I'm so amazing and smart. It's because God loves me so much. He will give me all the help I need. He'll do everything for me. If, if I'll just give him something to work with, I'm going to make it. I'm coming out. The fear opens the door for the confusion. He was so clear because he was totally free from fear. How many know there was no fear in Jesus? None. And also he's full of faith. Somebody say, no fear. fear. Full of faith. faith. No confusion. 
completely clear. We've all been tempted to fear. And we've all yielded to it. But it's terrible stuff. It'll open the door so confusion just comes in and fills up your mind. You know this. The more scared you are, you just get to where you can't even think. People, they just get paralyzed. I mean, when you're totally uh, in terror, you can't even think to put your foot to get out of the door. To run or do anything. You just, uh, 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 you just become totally stupid. Don't you? Confused, bewildered. What's doing that to you? What's doing that to you? Fear. Fear. But remember Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him. In perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. What if you cast in your cares over on him and you rest in him? You say, no, I refuse to. Even if, if you got goosebumps, even if your knees are banging together, you say, no. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I will fear no evil because you are with me. Amen. I refuse to fear. I resist this fear. Amen. I will not give in to this fear. No, the Lord's with me. He loves me. He's brought me this far. He'll bring me the rest of the way. I refuse to fear. And friend, as soon as you do that, and you're doing that by faith, no matter what's going around about you, that gives God the right, the Spirit of God to come up in you and bring clarity to your mind. Come on, can you see this? Just push the confusion right out and bring clarity to your mind. Why? Because you're not yielding to fear. You have faith. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. But of what? Of power. Love. That that doesn't sound like confusion. That's not confusion. That's clarity. Somebody say glory to God. It's interesting. The same word that's translated confusion in the New Testament is sometimes translated unstable. Same word. Like in James, for instance. James 1.8. He talks about, you know, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. A double-minded man, he said, is what? Unstable. Unstable. Wavering. Again, that's fear, isn't it? And doubt. The moment you yield to the fear and doubt, what happens to your head? You're confused. (laughs) Now, are there a lot of confused church folks around? Whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Is it because the devil is so mean and bad? No. I mean, he, he certainly is a destroyer, but he cannot just come in and confuse you whenever he wants to. If he could, me and you would have been too confused to get to church tonight. He'd have done it, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's not as big and bad as he makes himself out to be. He is the eternally defeated one. Isn't he? He's been stripped. He's been brought to naught. He's been placed under our feet. The only place he has in our lives is what we give him. That's why the Bible said give no place. Don't give any place to him. Thirdly. Let's go over these again. Jesus was so clear. Why was he so clear? There was no condemnation in him. None. Why else? There was no fear. There was no cowardice. Had to use another C, you know. But there was, preachers do those kind of things. There was no fear. 
any. Will fear make you confused? Oh, everybody in here knows that. And thirdly, he was so clear. Why? There was no contrariness. What did he say? He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Didn't he say it? As he hung on the cross, experiencing torments we can't begin to to grasp. What did he say? Into your hands. I commit my spirit. Prior to that in the garden, sweat and blood, what did he say? Not my will. Father, if there's any way. He's walking as a man. He felt things like we feel. He's experiencing things just like we would feel. Father, if there's any way. Everything's possible with you. You can do anything. And if there's any way. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can you picture Jesus being rebellious against the Father? Saying, no, I'm not going to do it. You can't fathom that, can you? Why? It didn't exist. But if you yield to that, what comes in with that? Confusion. Look in John. I'm getting ready to close here. John 7. How did Jesus operate? He's very clear. Did he operate like 1 John 2 talks about by that anointing? You have an anointing. And by that anointing what happens? You know. Did Jesus know where to go next? What to do next? Who to minister to? How to minister? Do you know what to? How do you know what to preach on? How does any preacher never know what to preach on? Well, there are different ways of deciding. <laughs> you can flip a coin. You can close your eyes and flip through the Reader's Digest and put your finger on something. And say, what is that? T-? But if it's going to be anointed, if it's going to be anything that good that comes out of it, it'll be because something He led you to. And and how would you know that? You just know. How do you know? How do you know what series to preach? How do you know what, what verses to, to use? How do you know? Well, we're all developing and growing. But we should be developing in this clarity we're talking about. We should be, you know, keeping the condemnation out of our lives. We should be keeping the fear out of our lives. And we should be getting clearer and clearer. Shouldn't we? Instead of more and more confused, we should be getting clearer. John 7, are you there? He said in John 7, something I, I use frequently. 17. They asked him about where he got what he taught. Because they were so, they didn't even like him. But they were so impressed by what he taught. And they said, how does this mean? Well, he didn't go to school. We know he didn't go to school. So he's not teaching what he learned from professor so-and-so. He's not teaching what he learned from rabbi so-and-so. But what he's teaching is magnificent. And they said, where did you get this? He said, my doctrine's not my own. But it's his that sent me. How did he know what to preach? He knew by the anointing. And here's, he, he goes into detail here uh, about how you can be clear and stay clear. 
If any man will do his will. Read that next phrase for me. What? He shall what? Does that sound like confusion to you? No, that's clarity, isn't it? He shall what? He shall know of the doctrine. Because that asked him, how would you get this? Where did it come from? He said, if you will do his will. And the uh, numerous translations, the Young's Literal, the, the Living Bible, different ones say, if anyone will will to do his will. It's maybe closer to the Greek. Wills to do his will. Say it out loud. If you will, will. to do his will, will. you will know. know. Say that again. If you will, will. to do his will, will. you will know. know. Well, if you'll know when you're willing, what would happen to you if you're unwilling? You're going to get confused. Instead of knowing, it's going to get cloudy to you. That's why the, the disobedient, the, the unwilling, are the most confused there is. And the further I go in ministry, we see people all the time and they're just a basket case. They're, they're crying and they're distraught and they're on five medications and, and can you, and they act like, you know, this is such a, 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 a complicated, complex, it never is. It's never complicated. Never. Never. If you and I, from the time we were born again, had a willing heart every day of our life, did what the Lord told us to do every time, believed God never yielded to fear, we'd never need many medication. We'd never need five people to counsel with us and straighten us out. We would need to go through boxes of Kleenexes. Are you listening to me, saints? Why? Because you have an unction of the Holy One. And by that anointing, you're supposed to know. Know. Day and night. I've walked in greater degrees of this at times of my life than at others. I wish I could tell you that, I, uh, that my graph was always just up. <laughs> But I'm just as fleshy as you are. And I've hadn't always, you know, given myself to things as much. But there have been times that I'd given myself more to the things of God. And I'm telling you, the clarity was just, what's the word? Wonderful. You, you just get up in the morning and know, just know what to do. Every step of the day, know what to say. Know how far to go and don't go any further. No, and, and do I do this? No. Do I do this? Yes. You just know. You just know. You're not wrestling. And I can tell in my own life, the more I get to the point where it's, well, I think so. I don't know. I'm well, well that, that's me having let confusion in through these seas. These three things and others that amount to fleshiness and disobedience and and unwillingness. But none of it's the Lord's will and none of it's the Lord's fault. For in this confusion, the price of that is is not worth being being disobedient and being unwilling is not worth what you pay. Is it? 
It's not worth what you sacrifice. How many want to be clear? When the Lord speaks to your spirit. Come on, just close your eyes and listen to me for a minute. I said, when the Lord speaks to your spirit, you know it's him. You don't go back and forth for three days. Is this me or is this him? Or is that so-and-so said something that might have been where I got that? No, no, no. You know it's him. You're clear. You know it's him. And you know what to do. You're sure. You don't have to wrestle back and forth. Somebody say clear, 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 clear and confident and settled and at rest and peace. Why? Because you have light. You're not walking in the darkness. You're walking in the light. And in the light you see plain and you see clear. Somebody say clear, clear. Was Jesus clear? Did he ever walk in, did he ever have a confused day? Never. Never. What is that good news to us? Why? Because he did it as a man. If he did it, you can do it. If he had it that way, you can have it that way. It's the glorious truth of the word of God. Don't let anything or anybody tell you otherwise. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Say, I can be clear. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes. Just worship him for a few moments. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for your peace that passes understanding, keeping my heart and my mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We bless you. Thank you for the peace that passes understanding. Keeping our heart and our mind. Just close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Friend, if the Spirit of God touched something in your life tonight, don't wait till you get home. Don't wait till tomorrow. Get it changed right now. Get it fixed right now. Right here. Right now. If you've been in condemnation about something, repent. Yield to Him right now and say, okay, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I know to do this, so I'm going to do it. I know I'm not supposed to be doing that, so I'm stopping. In Jesus' name, by your grace. Get rid of this condemnation. Get rid of this confusion. If that's you, just repent right now under your breath, inside yourself. You don't have to tell somebody else, but but do it. Take care of it. If you've been yielding to fear, stop it. Stop it. Nobody has to yield to fear ever. Stop it. Resist it right now in Jesus' name. Say, I resist that. No matter what's going on in my life. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I refuse to fear. I will not fear. I will fear no evil. Some folk need to say it. Fear, I resist you. Everybody say, fear, I resist you. Leave me. Leave me. Leave my mind. Leave me. Fear, I resist you. Leave me. 
glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now don't yield to it again. You never have to yield to fear. Never, never, never. No matter what. Everybody say, Lord, I believe you. I refuse to fear. I have faith in you. I have confidence in you. I know you love me. And you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You will never let me down. You will never fail me. So I refuse to fear. It shall be well with me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, friend, if you really do that, confusion will leave you. Clarity begins to come into you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, just lift your hands and praise him some more. Thank you, Lord. You are my peace. You are my strength. You are my light and my life. You're my strong tower. Oh, I will not fear. I will believe. I will believe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The other thing was being unwilling. Hard-headed. Stubborn. Rebellious. That opens the door to confusion. Keep you from being clear. Keep you from being confident. That's your own heart. Just before the Lord, humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. The Bible said if you will to do his will, you'll know. You'll know. Oh, I'm willing, Lord. Oh, I'm willing, willing to do whatever you say. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.